0: Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones Podcast. I'm so to have you guys here today because we have the privilege of chatting to Alex Stewart. So Alex, as I know a lot of you probably know, is uh, the founder of Low Tox Life. So that was back in 2010, which as I'm reading that, I'm going, Flip, that's like 13 years.
1: I know, it's a while ago now.
0: It's wild. And she's really responsible for the birthing of the low-tox movement. So the phrase which a lot of you guys know that low-tox has resonated with so many people around the world and I think even today that positioning our households to be low-tox has become more and more common and I feel like it is a word that we throw around a lot more than what we used to. Mm, It is and
1: it's why I didn't trademark just the words low-tox because I really wanted people to feel like they could own that. Um, So low-tox life, that's how you know it's my work. But um, low-tox for me really encompasses that space between just doing your best with what you've got from where you are, as the old saying goes, And also recognising it's a modern world, there is a lot that's been brought into the environment, whether it's our food, whether it's the products, whether it's walking past a car with a guzzling engine, whether it's agricultural chemicals, it could go on. There's not no tox. It actually doesn't exist. And I think uh, women do themselves a disservice most of the time by trying to pretend we can chase perfection, whatever that means anyway. And I just never wanted people to feel like that's what we were chasing on my watch when I stepped into educating on these sorts of topics. So yeah.
0: It just adds that additional stress, doesn't it? You're Mm -hmm. like, well, we're already stressed and we're already battling all these things and gut and hormone things and high cortisol and then we're like, now I've got to be perfect. And you're right. I see that in women all the time. They're like, okay, my diet's perfect and this is on and this is on and then they have this whole hormonal imbalance purely from the chase of perfection.
1: Mm, That's it. And it becomes very unhealthy, Mm. ironically very stressful And when our cells are stressed, we get sick. (sighs) So, like, why do we want to put ourselves through that? And I've seen so many people arrive into the low-tox community who've maybe been in communities that are a bit more intense in the health and wellness space, like really strict protocols or complete departures from, you know, regular concepts around um, healthy living and they arrive and they think, hey, where's my meal plan? Where's my, what do I have to do? What's the protocol? I'm like, no, none of that here. (laughs) Let's just relax. What are your goals? What are your priorities? What are you dealing with right now? That's going to make where you start or what you work on different from the next person.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I guess it's it's when you do it that way and it's small changes and it might just mm. be plastics to glass and then air fresheners and then perfumes and then just like one thing at a time. Whereas, yeah, you're right, if someone wants to step into sort of your space or your community and then have a whole list of everything to change, one, financially, not viable, mm. Um, You know, if you have to change all your cookware or something, it's a huge thing. But then too, headspace-wise, you'd just be, feel so overwhelmed, surely.
1: Yeah, that's it. And, you know, because there is so much you can change. (laughs) And so, you know, really it is about setting your own priorities unique to your life, life stage and what you're working on. And that just takes away the overwhelm and it means you can really get passionate about a small area you're working on now instead of constantly thinking of all the things you're not doing, which health culture uh, often tries to keep us in because that keeps us buying ridiculous priced protocols yeah. and and things on the internet. So, yeah.
0: Is there a hierarchy? Is there things that mm. sort of go up that, you know, if someone was new to this whole space, you would go, these five or 10 things or whatever, they're really important. This is semi important. And that's kind of where we're further on, we're 10 years in, kind of thing, not quite, you know, we've stepped through that journey a lot more.
1: Yeah, that's it. Exactly. There's the overarching overlaps of what everyone could really benefit from doing and then there's preference and need and that that really matters.
0: What do you reckon are the biggest contributors in our general sort of household to a toxic environment? What are some of the big ones that you would see yeah. that I would really prioritize that?
1: Well look I think artificial fragrance really is um. something we need to tackle and I always feel a bit Um, kind of reticent to bring it up as the first one because it does go across so many categories, right? You're thinking everything from shampoo to your bath products, to your fabric softener, if you're still using that air fresheners, if you're still using those candles, if you've got a scented candle addiction, it's everywhere in modern life. And so, yes, it's a huge one, which can bring a bit of overwhelm, but wow, is it powerful when you ditch it? Because the amount of hidden chemicals that we don't have um, access to knowing what they are, we don't get a nice neat little list of here's everything in your scented candle. You just get fig and burnt orange and, like, you know, whatever that is and you hope for the best and you think, oh, that smells amazing because culturally that's a normal thing to think smells amazing. But once you actually get all of those synthetic fragrances out of your life and I I never suggest that you should just throw everything away at first I'm a big fan of the chuck it in a box put it in the garage for a couple of weeks method um, and just switch to a simple fragrance free bar soap for a couple of weeks ditch the fabric softener just don't light any scented candles or use air fresheners in your car or in the toilet bowl or any of that kind of stuff and just live like that for two weeks then bring it all back use it all again on the same day See how you feel and people go, oh, that's a headache that came out of nowhere or, whoa, why am I sneezing? Or, oh, my God, that smells disgusting. And, like, it's really interesting because we've never lived without that kind of stuff until we do. our body has never actually had the conscious choice as to analyze whether that's good for us or bad for us. And Mm. I haven't met someone who's been through that experiment and thought, oh no, I want to bring it all back. Never. And I've had 10,000 people through our courses. So, um, yeah,
0: (laughs) that's, that's where I start. Perfumes are a big one as well. Like when you don't wear them and then Mm. I catch up with friends who are wearing them and I'm like, oh, that smells synthetic and that smells strong. And I know you've paid good money for that, but I hate the smell of that. Like it's mm, actually it's tough. Yeah, whereas you kind of, you're right. It's almost like the sugar stuff. But like when I pull clients off sugar for a while for parasites or candida, and we're just recalibrating things before introducing it, when they introduce it, they're kind of like, I can't tolerate as much. Like I, I, your body sets a new sort of standard and you kind of go from there, which is great.
1: Mm, that's it. And uh, some people might be like, so why is it so toxic? You know, give me a good reason. And one of the chief chemicals that's used to make these fragrances so powerful, so long lasting, like, you know, if you get hand-me-downs from a friend for your kid's clothes and you wash it once, wash it twice, it still smells like they're washing powder on the third wash. Um, or you can, like you said, you hug the friend who's got the perfume on and then you, you can still smell it in your hair then hours later. The the family of chemicals that are responsible for that ability, for that fragrance to last so long are called phthalates. And phthalates are a plasticizer. They're sticky. So that's why they're used in the, in the long-lasting of the, the fragrance front. Um, they're also used in soft plastics like Glad Wrap type things, cling film um, and um, plastic pouches, which is why I'm not a fan of those. Uh, if you've got any uh, ladies in your audience with kids and 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 that whole stage of life. Um, so, you know, I'm tangenting, but really phthalates are part of a type of chemical that scientists recognize to be hormone disruptive or endocrine disruptive and uh, any woman knows it's hard enough to balance your hormones on the best most perfect month of your life let alone when you're being assaulted by hormone mimicking and blocking Mm. chemicals in your everyday products right and we use like multiples of these sorts of products so it can have a really Massive effect. It can have effect on sperm health in the research. It can have effect on our fertility because it fiddles around with our hormones. Uh, and so the effects of phthalates are really far reaching on sexual health, particularly um and on men and women just as much so a lot of guys think oh yeah that's all your hippie stuff but they're still living in the house that has the scented candles and the fabric softener in the clothes and the shampoo that they use that their wife buys or girlfriend or partner um and so it's really everybody's problem to get rid of these synthetic fragrances so that's that's a universal let's start there and let's stop using that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think there has been obviously an increase of awareness around it, but I don't Mm. think the same depth of knowledge is there. I think you're right at the top frontier. We're kind of like going to more towards more natural things. And we see more things with essential oils and scented stuff that we're like, okay, that's you know, there's there's a lot of borderline things that are portrayed as organic with essential oils, but I think still have a lot of other crap in them. So I think there's like a, this slow sort of transition over, but the the why and the understanding I think is is taking time. And even the plastics thing, which I thought I thought we were done with plastics. <laughs> like, yeah. like haven't we had this conversation for quite a long time now? Like even our it's a plastic free. Like surely we're we're progressing, but it's it's actually. It's they're still very prevalent the plastic situation is still sitting around
1: it's huge and you know i was so excited to see dr carl talking about it like such a mainstream scientist by aussie standards yeah and you know you don't have to agree with everything he says but uh i think it's amazing that a voice like his is now talking about what where we're finding microplastics um, because it gets everybody thinking about it, not just the people who've been environmentalists or activists or concerned early adopting low-tox parents or, or women, because you've had a huge hormone issue that forced you to think outside the box, uh, which is why a lot of people um, know about this stuff at this point, uh, even though newspapers and TV shows aren't talking about it so much. So yeah, it's it's huge. And I think anywhere anywhere you can make a change when it comes to plastics and thinking about what you might be able to use instead, look, I am not that person who has the one tiny jar of plastic at the end of the year telling everybody how amazing and zero waste I. it's just not me. There is still plastic I could show you the Rapadura sugar that I ordered because I've got to make a double batch of brownies for yep. an event, um you know, that I'm taking my son to tomorrow. That's in a plastic pouch. So I'm not perfect. It's not amazing every day. But if we're conscious of those soft plastics and synthetic fragrances, then it's a huge load that is being reduced that we can at least control and work on bit by bit in our own lives every day, every week.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm 100%. I second that. I think the other big thing that I get asked a lot is about cookware. What should I be mm-hmm. cooking with? Because we have this thing about, okay, nonstick, is that not the go anymore? What are our alternatives? And I think just for women who are, you know, typically stereotyping here, are in the kitchen a lot and cooking or doing a lot of meal prep when they sort of enter into my program and they're like, okay, starting to change my diet. And then they're like, wait
1: a second, what am I supposed to be cooking with? Yeah, it's, um. look, cooking, it's one of those slightly bigger ticket investment categories that I talk about when going low-tox. And that really leads us into the territory of buy once, buy well. Like we really want to save up if you don't have the disposable income to just do it tomorrow. Save up. Just keep using your Teflon pad. Don't freak out about it. You've been fine up till now. So a couple more months won't hurt. And then you know, use the strategy of relatives wanting to buy you something for Christmas. So just get me a voucher from this store because I'm saving up for something big and anything you can put towards it's going to be super helpful. So that's one, especially for younger people who might not have a ton of cash um, or new parents who are sinking all their cash into their babies. Um, There are different times in life where we have different disposable income. So it's nothing to be ashamed about not being able to swap something today, especially when we're talking about, Investing in like a pan or a pot that's going to be, you know, a few hundred dollars. Yeah. But I can tell you right now, the average Australian buys something like one cheap Teflon style or, you know, old school yeah. nonstick pan from the supermarket every single year. Yeah. So if you're spending 30, 40 bucks every single year on a new pan, because now it's scratched and now it's, you know, um, sticking and the eggs are ruined in the morning, yada, yada, then you may as well save up and get one great thing you're going to have for the rest of your life and your kids and their kids are also going to have. And so I'm a big fan of seasoning a cast iron pan really well. Um, It's not hard to do. It's just a new skill. It feels awkward. You might stuff up a couple of times. Your partner might put it in the dishwasher by accident before anyone knows that that's absolutely not what you should do with cast iron. There are going to be mistakes. But once you've got that baby humming, it is just as nonstick, if not better, than any nonstick pan you've ever used. And then you have the benefits of uh, knowing that you're not ingesting forever chemicals like PFAS which are in a lot of those non-stick coatings um, and even some of the green advertised coatings um, yep. aren't very long-lasting. So what you have as an issue there is then you're getting exposed to different types of metals that you don't have much control over underneath once that scratch goes and then you're still having to buy another pan and that's going into landfill anyway even though it was technically low-tox. Yeah, to begin yeah. with right so yeah, i think yeah. i'm thinking um, what's that brand like green pan or neoflam those yeah. sorts of brands great until they're scratched yeah. and then they become another non-stick item or an item that's releasing metals um, that yeah. you don't necessarily want to develop a whole new imbalance with,
0: and um, like you said, landfill as well. Yeah, that's it. Short-term stuff, which we typically do because we're a grab-and-go type society. Mm-hmm. And you're right; they lasting six months, maybe a year if you're lucky. And you don't have kids scratching them or someone putting metal on it or something. And then, yeah, then what? There's no, <laughs> there's no yeah. use for it because it's crap. So that's it. Mm-hmm. And so cast iron's great. Then
1: you have, of course, a really good quality. Stainless steel. Uh, If you can find a nickel free stainless, that's even better. Um, And, uh, you know, you would know as a health professional that nickel can come up with sort of skin allergy presentations, that kind of thing. So it's a good one to keep an eye out for. And then, of course, a really good quality old-school French oven enamel like a Le Creuset or a Chasseur. I wouldn't go for the no-name brands where you don't have that traceability where you can't ask the brand for a lead-free certification or testing or independent testing uh big brand is best unfortunately when it comes to traceability and knowing that your ceramic isn't going to be contaminated with lead which can be a concern with some of the cheaper ones but between those things and then using good quality stainless steel and wooden utensils moving away from the plastics altogether Mm -hmm. um plastics and heat we know are not a good thing so um You know, and then, of course, the irony is we have to use plastic because it's gentle on the nonstick surfaces so they don't get scratched. It's like, well, why don't we get rid of both those
0: things? Because
1: neither of them are a good idea.
0: Yeah, I didn't even think of that, of course, because, yeah, 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 that makes sense. And I think about, like, my grandma is the most amazing cook and she lives down in Albany and they grow, my grandparents grow everything from scratch and we were kind of raised like that and bread and just makes everything and eats all her liver and does all the things like we all should be doing. But then I look at what she cooks with as well and it's, um, <laughs> it's all the cast, but it's the cast iron stuff that they used to cook with. Like it's like our generation now just seems to be so go, go, go and buy your bread and buy your things and do your stuff rather than thinking this is how it used to be. And this is how we used to cook. And we've just pulled so far away from
1: that. Mm, that's it. And I think if we look backwards far enough, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of reason in just okay. simplicity and reason in the way grandparents and great grandparents did things, saving things, yes. uh, carrying things over into new meals, so there wasn't any waste, being much more resourceful, buying things that lasted that mm-hmm. you passed on to your kids. Yes. Um, you know, I saw an article uh, in a mainstream newspaper this week saying. It, the headline was, We don't want your heirlooms. Kids who don't want their, you know, grandparents' stuff when they pass away or their parents' stuff. I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, media could have taken that to how awful that we've come to a place where we're so disconnected from the idea of quality things that last.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I think when you go low tox, there's very much those two messages it's yes it's about reducing the toxins and well when you think about old things and glassware there may be some op shop kind of old glassware and, and stoneware that you don't want because of lead being used in the olden days but when it comes to things like cast iron really good quality um pots and pans like I still have my 1970s Le Creuset chicken roasting dish from my grandma um You know, it is still in mint condition. So some of these things um, really teach us that we need to come back to quality and we need to also bring into that conversation the things that we now know are unsafe, like your lead, for example.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, yeah, with that change and stuff as well. And I guess the other thing was like even clothes and stuff, the resourcefulness of that, it's like how mm. we are, we buy quite cheap and we throw away things quite quickly and all those sides of things as well. And even Sarah Wilson, someone who's always brought my attention back to those kinds of things as well, that whole simplicious side of stuff and just being really conscious of, yeah, not even like, yes, the and stuff but just the whole wastefulness, what a wasteful society we can be. And when we make cheaper stuff, then it's never going to be as good for us anyway.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, falling back in love with quality and things that last and really consciously deciding to bring something into your wardrobe or your kitchen is actually such a fantastic thing to do for your mental health, because it brings us to this much simpler life where we have much less decision-making to do. You don't have to buy a new top every week. You don't have to go. I I can't even remember the last time I went to a Westfield. I think it was maybe six months ago when my son needed new shoes for school or something. I haven't been for the rest of the year because I just don't need to buy that kind of stuff. My shopping centre is my local market. My shopping centre is my online ethical butcher. My shopping centre is those direct relationships that you build with quality sources and it's a really beautiful um, opt-out process, frankly, like to just, huh, I don't actually have to be in those awful crowded environments that I thought I loved, but now that I'm spending less and less time in them, they actually kind of freak me out, that everyone's just wandering around Oggling things and maybe yeah. buying things that we know yeah. you know what I mean it just when you look at it and think about it you think gosh that's unhealthy Yeah,
0: and we're lucky here in Australia. Like we have such good access to local farmers and produce and good quality meats and things. Sometimes, yeah, you need to search for it to buy it online, but you can create these little eco-communities as well. Like I think about Margaret River uh and going to my butcher or the farmer's markets and ordering the dirty clean eats meats and those kinds of things that you create nicer little systems rather than, yeah, the big supermarket hall in a sense is just, there to take your money and it doesn't support the same people and it doesn't give back in the same way and Mm. they're not sustainable in the same way.
1: And what you've just described there Sheridan is connection. Mm. We crave it. We don't even know we crave it. We're trying to get it by buying the latest top and the like you know um, going to the shops a lot but actually knowing where stuff comes from making conscious choices, knowing the name of the people who grow your food or the um, lady down the road that you swap tomatoes for cucumbers for because you both had a bit too much of either because that's what you grow or just planting some stuff at the community veggie patch together, you know. But those kinds of things give you a sense of fullness that no like transient cheap purchase could ever hope to uh, hold a candle to. And I think opting into going low tox is not therefore just about swapping everything you have for the non-toxic version, but it's actually a life shift in the best possible way.
0: Yeah, totally. And I feel like over the last 10, 12, 15 years, you've built this community and you've created these amazing resources for people. But if someone was new to this space and they're like, oh my, oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to start slowly. Where do people start? Is there a good easy course? Is there a good book? Is there a good, is there something that you kind of go, this is how you can ease your way into it without just going, it's too much at once.
1: Yeah, Um. look, there I literally build education resources for that reason. So there's a few places. So depending on what your priorities are, you could start by having a look at our lowtopslife.com podcast tab and we have an index on all the different like women's health or food or environment or inspiring pioneering brands or, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's all segmented. So you can kind of start digging in an area you're interested in. And I, I said it right at the beginning. If we start where we're naturally curious, then there's motivation and excitement instead of trepidation and dread and uh, like, you know, oh, my God, this is all too much. Just go where you are motivated and excited. And then you could maybe do one of our courses. Golo Talks is actually a course that I've been running now um, which is now available just to jump into and do whenever you want to do. And that's only $98. And it goes through 22 different daily topics where you can just make the swaps, read the research, decide what you want to keep, what you want to ditch, what you want to swap um, with tons and tons of different options for different budgets, time constraints, and all that jazz, lots of DIY as well for people who like going down that track. Um, But not not a suggestion that that's the only way to do it either. I'm all about people finding how to find their low-tox life, not me telling you what a low-tox life is. Yeah. Um. So that would probably be, if you were just starting out, that mm-hmm. would be a huge help. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think that's perfect. Like we're so blessed to have you pioneering in this space and creating these resources. The, <laughs> the biggest thing is overwhelm at the end Yeah, of like it the- is that's like anything it's it's too much it's too hard so i do nothing like that's sort of where it is whereas when you can go you know what start where you're at and then people go well what does that look like and there are good courses and there are good books and there are good resources to step you through is is a game changer and, and ideally it's it's what we need like we yes we need you but we also we need these resources to help us kind of make the shift because it it, it is a lot and it is against mainstream media quote unquote so it, it's, it's, yeah, it's that push and pull with people. So I think they are awesome places to start. I'll definitely link them in the show notes. um But also, your podcast is, yeah, an epic place to start as well. And then on Instagram, Low tox Life is the best spot.
1: Yep. And anything low tox life, those three words together, that's how you know it's me.
0: Amazing. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for jumping on today. Um, I, yeah, I, really been interested about swapping some of my cooked pans because I've got like some things I'm like yes these are great and other things I'm like I don't actually know like the green teflon type stuff I'm like I don't know whether these are actually good or not so I feel like that's cleared the air for me so thank you yeah nice you're super
1: Um, welcome
0: Yeah, and I'll put everything in the show notes for you guys listening, but please go have a look at some of that stuff because I know there's always so many questions around it. Go stalk Alex's things and make a start and, yeah, see your health change from there. So thank you, Alex. Thanks, Sheridan.